Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. I am Bob, I exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team. And my guest today is Jeannie D. Bond. She actually is an expert on Ehlers-Daniels syndrome, which is a type of syndrome that evolves among many things, but hypermobility. In other words, your joints are double jointed, if we use a layperson's uh, term. So I want to have you join me and welcome Jeannie to the program. Welcome to the show, Jeannie Debon. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Really super excited to have you here because uh, we have over the past five to 10 years had several requests for doing a show on Ehlers-Daniels syndrome. And yep. I never felt comfortable because I never treated anybody with it. So I, I've treated people with hypermobility, but not EDS. So yes. why don't we start there? I want you to give your, your backstory, your background of why you're qualified to talk about this. Sure. Well, um, so I'm a movement therapist um, and I also have hypermobile EDS. And I know we're going to talk about what exactly EDS is in a little while. Yeah. Um, so um, it, it took me 35 years to get my EDS diagnosis. And during oh, that wow. time, yeah, a long time, a long time. Um, so during that time, I, I trained before I knew I had EDS. I trained initially as a Pilates teacher um, because I was told to by my physiotherapist. Um, and I, over the years, I studied other things. So biomechanics, anatomy, um, pain science, neuroscience. And I brought all this together into what I now call movement therapy. And using this method helped me rehab my own body because um, one of the things with EDS is pain. So I managed to rehab myself out of pain. And then I wanted to share this method with other people. And I've now have uh, 14 years clinical experience working with the community of EDS, um, as well as my own personal experience. Um, and now I work with people all over the world. Um, and probably 95% of my clients have hypermobile EDS um, or chronic pain. Gotcha. Yeah, first of all, you don't even look 35. So you must be lying. <laughs> oh, no, that. I'm. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. So it took me. So my symptoms started when I was 12. I see. Um, and then 35 years later, I got my official diagnosis. So I'm a little bit older than 35. <laughs> I do want to take the occasion to mention your book, website, and YouTube channel right now. So yes. you have two books. Um, the first one I have here. Yes. I mean, the second Hyper one, I say. Hypermobility Hyper without tears moving pain-free yes. with hypermobility and EDS. Now, the first book was Pilates Without Tears. Yes. And your website is your name, Jean yeah. D. Bone, D. Bon, and we're going to have that in the show notes. And yeah. uh, you have a, your website, yeah, we, I, I think we covered everything, right? Oh, YouTube channel is also Jean yes. D. Bone. D. Bon. Yes, that's right. That's right. Now, Mike, and, um, has, Mike has me saying Debon. <laughs> Debon. Debon. Debon, yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, well, let's start off with uh, how does EDS typically mm -hmm. present itself? 
Yes, well, it's a bit of a strange one because on the outside, people with EDS might look quite healthy and fit and normal um, because EDS is a connective tissue disorder. So we don't really know what's going on under the skin, um, as it were. So on the outside, you could look perfectly healthy, but Mm -hmm. underneath, you know, the typical symptoms that EDS is presenting itself with, um, pain is a big issue, fatigue is a big issue. Um, Things like having very delicate, soft skin, fragile skin is another indicator. Um, And then having, because it's connective tissue, obviously it's everywhere in our body, people can have multiple organ um, and system involvement. So heart problems, lung problems, digestive problems. It can basically affect any part of your body. Um, And pretty much everyone has a different sort of presentation of those symptoms. So no two people are ever the same. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to this. I mean, it took them 35 years to diagnose you. Is that typical? I mean... Is still that way, you think? Um, unfortunately, yes. I mean, we, you know, it's really? great that I can, yeah, I'm so grateful that you allowed me to come and speak about this topic because what part of what I do is raising awareness because it still is not well enough known out there. So, yes, I still hear heartbreaking stories all oh the time God. from people, you know, five years, 20 years, 30 years, you know, um, and the thing is, we see lots and lots of different doctors. It's not that we're not trying to get answers, right. but because the awareness isn't there, people aren't connecting the dots. Um, and that's the problem that we have. So, yes, it can be really a difficult journey. Oh, really frustrating. I'm, I can't yes. imagine. I mean, my God. Yeah, it's frustrating because um, you never get the answer. When I actually got my answer, I was so relieved because... Right. Um, because you start thinking there must be something really wrong with you because you're all, there's always something else going wrong. Right, exactly. Um, so having a, an umbrella to kind of put it under actually was a huge relief. Sure, um, absolutely. So uh, you kind of alluded to some of the symptoms of our presentations of EDS, but yes, you want to maybe elaborate on that? Yeah, so um, so the sort of the main reason people come to see me and the main thing I had was chronic pain. And that pain could be anywhere in the body. So very, very common is pain and very common is fatigue. So chronic fatigue goes gotcha. hand in hand with that. But then because of this collagen defect, so EDS is a defect of our collagen, we've got very lax joints. So we have a lot of instability. So we have joint pain. Um, people can obviously be um, injury prone because of that. They strain and they sprain themselves. Subluxations of joints, um, uh, dislocations uh, as well in some people. But then, for, you know, if I take my own story, I've had pneumonia three times. I've got a mitral mm. valve prolapse in my heart. I've oh had digest- digestive issues pretty much my whole life. Um, so, migraines, headaches are extremely common. So it really can impact pretty much everything. Gotcha. So are there some common tests for EDS that you could even try yourself? I mean, mm. like Bain's test, or would you recommend not to do that? Um, well, yes. Yeah, so you've got the Baton score. 
um, which is something you could do at home. I mean, you're just sort of testing, right. you bend your thumb back, can you bend your little finger back? Do your elbows hyperextend? Do your knees hyperextend? Can you touch the floor without bending your knees and put your hands flat? Um, but that's just a test of hypermobility. So sure. just, just because someone has maybe hypermobile doesn't mean they have a syndrome like EDS. So gotcha. you, can't, you can't test yourself for EDS. You would need to go and see a geneticist or a rheumatologist to have an official sort of diagnosis. Um, for, um, for EDS, we, there are 13 different types of EDS. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so there's, some of them are extremely rare. So, you know, very small groups of people. Hypermobile EDS, which is the one that I have, is the most common. And that's the only type of EDS that we don't know the genetic cause of. So we know the gene for all the other types, but hypermobile EDS, we're still working on that one. So, so that is a, sorry, that's a, a clinical diagnosis gotcha. as opposed to a genetic test. So it, it is hereditary in some instances, I understand. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we believe the hypermobile one is as well, but uh, but they're still researching that. But yes, pretty much genetic hereditary. And there's no cure. No. Right. No, unfortunately, no. So it's a case of management of right. the condition, um, which typically should be a multidisciplinary approach to managing the condition. And you play a role in that, obviously. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, right. so, so my role is, is helping people to move better, to move without pain, to build postural tone, build muscle tone, because we know that really can help alleviate their pain. Gotcha. What is the approximate male female breakdown? Is it similar or not? No. So you're going to see a lot more women than men. It's probably 70% women. Um, and we know that the, the female hormones play a huge role in the symptoms of EDS. And I think that's why we see so many more women than men. Um, and, to, you know, interestingly, I mean, symptoms often get worse or often start for people during puberty, uh, pregnancy or menopause. Gotcha. So when you have these big surges of hormones mm. that can trigger people's um, symptoms. That's when mine started as well. Um, when I was 12, obviously going sure. into that period. Yeah. Um, if you met someone who was just diagnosed with EDS, yes. what, what are the things you'd want them to know? Yeah. So obviously it can be quite scary for some people. Um, so I'd want them to know that it can seem like this mass of information and oftentimes we don't know where to turn, but I really want people to know that there is hope because we can often feel quite desperate, especially if we've gone a long time without a diagnosis and we've been in pain for a long, long time. Right. But I'm a firm believer in that there's always something we can do. No matter where you are today, there's always something we can do to make that situation better. So I would say seek out the support that you need, seek out the, the team that you need, um, and you know, definitely don't ever give up hope. Great advice. Um, so what type of thing should a person with EDS never do? So, well, 
Things like um, contact sports, for example, could be quite Makes tricky. Makes sense, right. Because if you're, say, American football, um, right. soccer, soccer, yeah. um, high impact. If you're someone who subluxes or dislocates joints, obviously you're going to put yourself at a greater injury risk. And with EDS, when you get injured, unfortunately, we take a lot longer time to heal than other people. So, you know, be careful with things like high impact sports, like high intensity training, jumping. You know, some people say don't run, but I do know people who like to run. So the thing with EDS, it's worth mentioning, is that it's such an individual thing. Like every single one of us is different. And some people can do some things. And the, the, the syndrome itself is on a scale. So you can get people who are very mildly impacted to moderate. And then you can get the people who are unfortunately severely impacted and, and sort of wheelchair or housebound, bedbound. So it is a scale. So some people who are mildly affected might be able to do, you know, things like running. And sure. um, so it's, it's, um, it's very individual. Does it tend to be progressive? I mean, it starts off, it gets worse. I mean, I suppose it might yeah. depend, on, depend on hormone surges, right? Yeah, yeah, it can depend on so many things. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's progressive. I think the reason that you see, unfortunately, people who are struggling a lot is because of this delay in diagnosis and not right. getting the support that we need. So, you know, People go many, many years and their pain gets worse because they don't know what's wrong and they're not doing the right exercises and not getting the right support. And obviously things deteriorate. But I wouldn't necessarily call it a progressive disease if you can manage it. Sure, gotcha. So when you have EDS, can you perform uh, strengthening exercises or is there a limit to that? So strengthening exercises are actually really, really important for us. Um, because we need to build muscle tone to help support the joints. But we want to do that strengthening in the, at the right time. So oftentimes, people are given strengthening exercises too soon. So they go to see a physical therapist or a physiotherapist, and they're given, you know, high repetition, strengthening, loaded exercises straight away. And our sure. tissue... Yeah, and it's, it's too soon. So our tissue is quite delicate. It's quite pro-inflammatory. So it doesn't take much, much for us to get irritated and angry. Um, so I recommend, yes, we want to do strengthening, but we've got to build you up. We go slow, we go low. And gradually, as your tissue tolerance builds, we start introducing strengthening work because it is an important element. But if, the, if you go, the, you hear people talking about um, boom and bust of EDS exercise because people do loads. They go, you know, they're given these exercises and they do them because, you know, we like to do our exercises that we've been told to do. Right. But because they're too much, <clears throat> you get a massive flare up in pain or fatigue, irritation. And then people don't want to do their exercises. People become scared of the exercise. We get... Um, fear of movement, anxiety about the movement. So people end up not doing the exercise. And then obviously things decondition 
more. And so we get in this vicious circle. So getting the right appropriate level of exercise is actually really important, but not being pushed too soon. Yeah, even if you proceed at the right level, I mean, can you get, is there a cap? I mean, you, you don't want to be a power lifter, right? No, although I do actually know one person in EDS who does, who does do powerlifting, which would seem like a really strange thing to be doing because, you know, I think, you know, it comes down to the technique. If someone's got good technique, Perfect. you know, weight, right. weight. Right. Yeah. So you're not locking your joints when you're lifting the weight. Right. So, you know, you're going to the gym and doing some weights is actually not a bad thing. But is your technique correct? So we don't want to be locking joints. We don't want to be doing too heavy load too soon. We don't want to be doing too many reps too soon. Um, it's really about learning to listen to our bodies um, and taking care that way. And again, that individual nature of EDS. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you allude to the fact that pain is a big issue. Um, with EDS or even hypermobility, I guess you talked about that. Why is that? And mm. the, the tissues are not yeah. prepared, right? And yeah. So the inflammatory. Yes. So there's obviously pain is a is a very complex um, topic, isn't it? Um, and it yes. can the the pain can be coming from so many different things. But in my experience, you know. Um, obviously the joint laxity, joint instability, the fact that we have poor postural tone, poor muscle tone. So we tend to hang in our joints a lot yes. of the time. Yes. We don't have good posture. We don't, um, we don't have good proprioception. So we also have um, proprioception is that ability to know where your body is in space. Um, and oftentimes because we lack proprioception, we lack control. So we'll do big ranges of movement without control um, and then of course we can strain and injure ourselves and that obviously is a cause of pain as well you get other things like visceral pain because the organs are involved you might get referred pain from the viscera as well um, pain on walking you know flat feet over pronated feet are a big issue so if your feet are obviously collapsed because gravity is allowing them to collapse into the ground and you don't have that support network, even walking and that um, connection all the way up through the knees, the hips to the lower back, all of those sorts of things are going to be causing us pain. So I like to look at the whole body from foot to head to help people find that connection. Sure. Um, I, actually, I had a surgeon on the podcast. He's really quite renowned. And he, he said 20% of his women with back pain is due to hypermobility in the SI. And actually will refer pain all the way down the leg. Yeah, So absolutely. So, yeah, S, SI dysfunction is quite a big issue as well in this population, um, you know, People say, oh, you know, you the SI joint can't slip and things like that. But yeah. actually, <laughs> yeah. if you're extremely hypermobile, I, I see can. a lot. I see a lot of SI dysfunction. And like you say, it causes so much pain. Yeah, um, terrible. Yeah. So we treat that in a very special way. We have to make sure so that when I'm uh, working with people, we keep the pelvis as one piece. So we're not doing exercises where your legs are going in opposite directions. 
and we keep you really stable sure. around the pelvis um, to sense. build a bit of that um, stability. Well, I, I can imagine a doctor would see this diagnosis and go, oh, you, tr you should try Pilates. But, you know, Pilates, just regular Pilates, how is that mm. for someone with EDS? Yeah, well, so there are two things. You have to remember that Pilates is a method. So it was uh, created by Joseph Pilates. It's a method. And like any method, it has its limitations. It has great things about it, but it does have limitations. Um, and the other thing, you know, you know, originally, obviously, there was Joseph Pilates. Now you have hundreds and hundreds of different schools of teachers and different thought processes. So oh, not really? all Pilates. Yeah. So Pilates has evolved a lot and not all Pilates is equal. Yeah. And so and there's a lot about the obviously I trained in it initially. You know, there was a lot about it that I did like the, the, the control element of it and um you know, starting to feel connected with my body again. But there are a lot of things about it that just weren't right. They weren't working for me. And um, that's when I decided to step back and say, okay, what do I actually need? What's missing here? Um, why am I still getting, you know, discomfort when I'm doing some of these exercises? Um, so yeah, not, and again, I, I just, you know, because of the individual nature of Pilates, um, EDS, there might be people listening who say, well, actually, I am going to Pilates, I have EDS, right. and I, and I love it. And that's the case for some people. Fantastic. They do their Pilates, they love it. The people I tend to see, unfortunately, are, are getting injured in classes because things are going too fast. The problem with going to a class is that obviously the classes progress. So you might start off a beginner, but you're expected to kind of get more and more challenging each week. And for EDS, sometimes we have to go slow. We can't keep up. We can, and then we start to try too hard and then we end up straining ourselves and hurting ourselves. So individual one-to-one -one sessions is probably a good place to start if people are looking to do sort of regular Pilates. So your, your version is geared towards somebody with EDS or pain mm. or, yeah. and, and or pain and yeah. or hypermobility, right? Yes, yes, exactly. That's right. So what, so, is, your, what is your first goal in teaching someone with Pilates? So, so I call my method a modified Pilates. Um, I call it the integral movement method. Um, and when I was doing you know, my initial Pilates and I stepped back and I thought, well, what do I need? And what's really interesting about living with a condition like EDS is that we often, um, for various reasons, um, anxiety, stress, you know, instability, we end up bracing quite a lot of the time. So I used to hold myself very, very tightly and brace right. my abdominals and brace because that was my way of kind of feeling in control and wanting to stabilize myself. Gotcha. So I, I had a lot of nervous and muscular tension in my body. And then going to Pilates and being pushed and forced to do more sort of bracing activities actually was making it worse. So I said, okay, what do we want to do? And this is what I do with all my clients. We step back and we look at breathing first and we start to calm the nervous system down. So we start to release some of that muscular tension and that nervous tension. So breath 
is the first step. And that's all um, detailed in my book, the Hypermobility Without Tears book. I go through the different stages. So breath is the first one. And then relaxation, because so many of us are fearful of movement, are scared of movement. And I need people to really start to feel safe and feel relaxed in their own body um, so that they can start to overcome that fear and start to enjoy movement rather than it being a sort of a chore that we have to do. You know, I want people to love it. Yeah, because Pilates has a mind-body connection and yes. obviously address that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't, you can't separate the two, right? So mind-body. And what I've found is that if the mind isn't on board first, so if people aren't you know, present, feeling safe, relaxed, the body following is going to be very, very difficult. Because if you, if you think someone comes to me and they're very tense and nervous and anxious and they're not breathing properly, it's really hard to teach exercise because they're coming from this place of tension. So I, I call it unwinding. I want to unwind the tension, then start to introduce very gentle, safe movements so that they can start to feel in control of their body. And then over time, we start to build that up. But again, on an individual basis. So there's not one size fits all with EDS. Gotcha. I'm curious. Uh, I, I had a couple of people on who talked about breathing and they were big advocates of nasal breathing mm. as opposed to mouth breathing because uh, you're taking nitro, nitric oxide, oxide and there's a whole mechanism that it makes it better. So yes, yeah. Ideally, you know, the gold standard, if we can, is nasal breathing as sure. opposed to mouth breathing, especially with, um, I mean, for anyone, but especially for EDS, because one of the things that goes with EDS is POTS, so postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And if we're taking in too much oxygen and too much air through the mouth, that can cause all sorts of imbalances in the body and palpitations yes, yes. and so one of the things I do is to teach people how to breathe with that, with not taking in so much air and really soft, quiet, gentle breath work. Yes, yes. And you, and you have to do it carefully because for some people it's too much, right? Going and, and being too present in their body can be a bit overwhelming and it makes them stressed. So again, you've got to treat each individual person and, and see um, the best route forward for them. So, I mean, this is going to obviously help with some of the mental health issues that show with the EDS, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, there's research now. Um, we have a, a psychiatrist in the UK called Dr. Jessica Eccles, um, who's done a lot of research. It's just been published about there is a link between anxiety and hypermobility. So there is an actual link that the people she studied, the people with um, anxiety tended to be hypermobile. Hmm. Um, one of the reasons for this, she believes, is that we're more aware of our bodily functions. So we, we're more aware of our heartbeat. You know, we're just more sensitive. Sure. And so if our heart rate starts going up, we can feel that. 
and we you know that can cause a panic in some right. people and it just generally creates this whole aura of anxiety so that's one of the reasons kind of um, a cascade of effects i mean exactly yeah, right. yes um but of course sadly one of the other reasons people have anxiety is because of this sort of long journey to their right. diagnosis and going to see lots of different doctors and unfortunately some people aren't believed some people are dismissed some people are told they're hypochondriacs some people are told they're making this up unfortunately this goes on and so you know there are people out there suffering from you know what they call medical ptsd right um, and that's a I, real thing i believe it 100 percent. yeah so there's you know multiple reasons for that anxiety i believe right. but it's definitely it definitely exists it's definitely justified unfortunately yeah yeah. So, so you mentioned earlier that posture is a big concern. Is that yeah. addressed through uh, Pilates? Your Pilates yeah. program? Yeah, absolutely. So posture is like the sixth element of my hypermobility movement method. It comes at the end because um, I don't think you can teach posture. I mean, intellectually, we all know what a good posture is. So I could teach you how to stand. The problem is most people would then brace and fix themselves into this perfect posture and that would just put more tension in their body and it wouldn't last because I've just told you what to do. Your body doesn't really understand what good posture is. So in my method, it comes right at the end so that it's more of an integrated feeling. You understand your, you know, you've got good support through your feet. You understand alignment. You understand where your bones should be and you can control it. And that way, it's much more natural rather than me just fixing you into a position. So yes, posture is super important because as I said, as I said earlier, typically what we like to do is hang in our joints. So we'll kind of hang back in our hips and, you know, lock those joints out. And of course, when you lock your joints, your muscles don't have to work anyway, you're just hanging on those joints. And so we've got to get rid of all those patterns and replace them with healthy patterns to have healthy posture. Do you make use of any equipment at all? I know Pilates does sometimes, but yeah. I... So, so yes, in the studio, so I have a studio, so mm -hmm. we have all the um, studio equipment. So you, um, people might have heard of a reformer machine, which is basically spring loaded, and it's great for. Um, hypermobility and people who are in pain because a lot of the things you can do lying down on your back. Um, now resistance work, so it's spring loaded. So people are getting resistance work and support. And actually resistance work is really, really important for us because the one thing we absolutely hate is eccentric muscle control because we'd rather just give into gravity and fall into a position. Oh, wow. So yeah, so if we can teach people how to eccentrically control their muscles against a resistance, it's one of the best things we could be doing. So yeah, the Pilates equipment is fantastic. If people don't have access to a studio with equipment, I use things like bands, therabands, um, soft Pilates balls, um, sure. hand weights, whatever, you know, there's lots of things you can do at home you don't need expensive equipment and it's just as good. Yeah. And I'm going to mention you have that YouTube channel that covers mm. some of the exercises. Um, 
what do you cover on there, basically? I mean, uh, well, present some initial yes. types. Yes. I mean, I try to think of all the things that a hypermobile body could possibly need. So we've got um, short little video classes, things like um, five a day for five a day for shoulders, five a day for your knees, five a day. So five minutes, five exercises gotcha. a day. Um, some are just tips. So I'm talking about different things. Um, I've started doing live videos on there. So once a month, I do a live class. So wow. just recent, yeah, which is great fun. Um, just last month, or sorry, last week, we did um, the truth about stability. So what is stability if you're hypermobile? Um, and I've done the truth about stretching, and I've done the truth about rib subluxations, which again, are another big issue in our population. So yeah, over a hundred videos on there with lots of different topics. But people can take, as you mentioned, your class remotely. Yes, so yes, I work? have. Is it just one-on-one -on -one or is it one yeah. participating in many or? No, so I, I only do one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, classes now. Gotcha. So yes, I do have, I have clients all over the, the world. So lots of clients in America, in the States, which is ah. lovely. So sure. fantastic. Um, but yes, so we work on Zoom and um, just like we're talking now. So I people move and I can watch them move. And, and um, yeah, it works really, really well. So um, and then I have clinics in London and I see people face to face um, in London as well. Gotcha. Do you have staff too? Um, no, it's just me. Ah. It's just me. I'm a, I'm, Your I'm machine. a lone range. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you also have an app. I do. The Zebra Club app. That's right. Yes. So, um, so this is like my heart's work. Um, the, the app launched in November last year, although the, the Zebra Club has been going for two years, but it was just on a web-based program. But in November, it became an app. Um, and the Zebra Club is really, really unique, I think, compared to other apps because we've got classes um, all designed for hypermobility and EDS um, by category. For example, we were mentioning fatigue is a big issue. So we've got a whole section of classes for when you're feeling fatigued. We've got a whole section of classes for pain management. We've got a whole section for stability. So I've categorized them into different areas. So people can work at home with, like I said, very little equipment needed. But apart from the classes, the thing that makes us really, really unique and what's so important for our community is we have an inbuilt community within the Zebra Club. Now, a lot of people, because of this issue with not getting diagnosed, not having the answers, a lot of people have never even spoken to someone else who has EDS. They've never been validated. They've never had someone say, I've got that as well, or I believe you. Sure. So I, I wanted a community. So it's a, think of it as an internal Facebook page. So it's private, so only members can see it. And you can go on and you can chat to other members or you can ask me questions. And I'm on there every day answering members' questions. Um, and every month we do live events as well. So people can come on, we do meet and greets on Zoom. So we break up into little groups and people can chat to other zebras. Um, can I just mention why it's called zebra? Because oh. maybe, maybe people don't know why I'm talking about zebras. And um, so 
there's, a, there's two sides to this. So first of all, two zebras stripes are never the same. Sure. So two people, yeah, and two people with EDS are very, will never have the same presentation. By the way, we say zebra. <laughs> I know, I know, and yeah. I, much pref- I much prefer your way of saying it. <laughs> I, I do. We call it the zebra over here, but gotcha. zebra is much nicer. <laughs> um, so, so no two zebras are ever the same. Yeah. And, but the other side of it, unfortunately, isn't quite so nice, is that in medical school, people are taught if you hear hoofbeats, you look for horses. horses. Right. Yeah. Don't look for the zebra because right. you're not looking for the unusual. And so, you know, the zebra is a symbol of all kinds of rare diseases now right. because it's we're not getting diagnosed. And so um, the zebra club um, is a place for us to come together. To, and it's for people who want to feel supported, who want to learn to move, who want to move pain-free who want to have a better quality of life um, and have confidence in themselves because so many of us have been lacking that self-belief that we can actually um, make things better Um, and yeah right I think the sport be huge I mean yeah like-minded exactly yeah being in that environment where you're with other people who really get you I mean, that alone is a healing process in itself yes, to yes. be with other, when you feel isolated or, you know, as we talked about having mental health issues, um, it's, it's super powerful. And I think that's what makes our, our app unique, really. Yeah. Someone gets me. You know. Yes. So. Yeah. And that's, that's wonderful when you haven't had that for so long. So you talked earlier about proprioception yes how do you improve that yes i mean that's a really so we know from research that people with hypermobility lack proprioception nobody really knows why we lack um probably something to do with the feedback the gobli tendons in the joints i mean but nobody really knows so it's an important factor to improve upon so the way i do it um my method is very much about um rather than just teaching someone an exercise, like a mechanical exercise, it's about teaching people sensation. So a lot of my exercises, we start supine, lying on our backs, on the ground, lots of support, because that way people can start to actually feel the weight of their own body. We do very basic arm and leg movements, a bit like dead bug. Maybe you know dead bug. Yeah, dead bug, yes. Dead bug, yeah. So that's a great exercise for someone learning to feel, well, what does my arm feel like when I lift it up? Can I feel the arm bone dropping into the socket? Things like that. So we start to understand where our arm bones actually belong, because for a lot of us, our arm bones are dropping down out of the socket due to that laxity. So very safe if you're lying on your back doing exercises. And so we use gravity, we use our own body weight, and we start to feel the sensations of where our joints and our bones should be. And that has really, really helped people with their proprioception. As they get more confident, we change positions. So we take away some of that support. So maybe we lie on our side, maybe we go into quadruped and eventually standing. Obviously standing is the most challenging one for proprioception because you've got no feedback. You're kind of on your own. You've got to know where your body is in space. So again, we build up to doing more challenging things. Well, let's uh, 
switch topics here a little bit. Uh, you hmm. can you provide your thoughts on fascia in treating EDS? Um, uh, yeah, you seem to have a great appreciation for the role of it. And yes, yes, I do, I do, and I watched your um, podcast with uh, Doctor uh, Robert Schleip. Okay. Right. Yes, yes. And I've met him um, a couple of times. I go to oh. the fascia, fascia symposium events that we have over here in the UK. So I, I, I have see. met him. Um, but yes, for me, you know, I'm fascinated by fascia. It's our biggest sensory organ in the body. So right. in, ter in terms of proprioception and pain, it's obviously very, very important. But the, the reason I educate my sort of Zebra Club members and clients about this is for most of us, we've been treated as a single body part area. So you've got a shoulder problem, you've got a hip problem, you've got a knee problem. Nobody's joined those dots and made us feel whole or made us feel connected. So understanding fascia and the fact that it's this body wide web, very strong and resilient, um, can be really helpful for people starting to understand, again, helping with their proprioception as well. If you start to feel Absolutely. that your body is connected. Right. Um, and promoting, as I said earlier, we like to hang off our joints. So we're not feeling that elasticity of the tissue. But fascia, of course, is very elastic. And I like people to kind of try and experience that elastic recoil rather than going to end of range and hanging in a joint we actually want you to come back from that end of range yep. and so having a little bit of knowledge around fascia i think is really really important so yeah it's, sure. it's one of my one of my favorite topics and that's part of your program i sure yes um, absolutely yeah so does nutrition play a role in eds yes i mean it's it's very important um, you know, some people listening might be suffering from things like mast cell activation syndrome, which is another sort of um, comorbidity that can go with EDS. And that's when, you know, if you think of hay fever, everyone knows kind of what hay fever is. If you think of having a hay fever reaction anywhere in your body, so that kind of inflammatory process, that can happen with people with EDS um, when those mast cells get over overactive so foods obviously foods with a lot of histamine in them are going to trigger things like mast cell uh, reactions so that's that's one thing um, you know people with we have a lot of gut issues with um, eds so having the right diet um, to help with gut motility and things like ibs and um, bloating and reflux there's so many different things that have been going on and it but unfortunately I can't say that there's one diet that would fix all because sure. there's, you know, I'm sure there's not because of the individual nature again of EDS. Somebody loves the FODMAP diet. Right. Someone else will hate the FODMAP diet. Um, so yes, I, you know, if people are struggling with nutrition, really try to find a, um, a nutritionist, a dietitian who knows about EDS because um, it can make massive impacts on um, quality of life. Sure. Um, and we might want to mention too that you wrote about mast cells and uh, POTS. P -O -T -S. Yes. Um, yes. It's on our website, bobred.com. So yes, yeah, that, yes, exactly. That's I just was ex just wanted to explain this thing that we call the terrible trifecta. So people have EDS with all its issues, 
Um, but unfortunately, some people live with POTS, the postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and they live with this mast cell activation. So put those all together, and that's a lot of management. A lot um, of things to do with, yep. <laughs> Lots of things to deal with all at the same time. So um, thank you for letting me share that blog on oh, your website. Excellent, excellent. Um, just to spread awareness of that. Because again, yeah. these are, especially mast cells, you know, that's kind of the new kid on the block. Not a lot of people are talking about that. And so just to get awareness out there that actually this is a, you know, it's not right. so rare. It's not that rare. A lot of people have it. So sure. thank you. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. I mean, so um, we have some Facebook questions. We actually had a lot. I just ah. grabbed a few of them. Uh, so. Okay. Uh, the question was, how do I find a balance between overstretching and just getting some relief from tight muscles? Uh, mm. They go on and on, but you know, um, yeah, they're worried about the pain. Yeah. Yes. So stretching. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, the thing with um, hypermobility is we have tight muscles. So although we're bendy in some places, you're also going to have tight muscles. Um, now, those muscles are tight, typically, because they're hanging on for dear life, you know, that everything else is bendy, and some muscles have got to try and do the job of stabilizing, so they're going to get super tight. So the problem with going oh. on and doing, yeah, so, so for me, for example, my hips, I'm pretty flexible in everywhere, but apart from my hips, they're super tight. Um, so if I go and do a lot of static stretching on my hamstrings around my hip flexors and really stretch, 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 because they feel tight, I will pay the price for it tomorrow and I will have probably a lot of pain. So I don't recommend people do static stretching, even though they feel they need to because they're looking for that release. Right. What, what I teach my clients is dynamic stretching. So more of a sort of a pandiculation type. Um, sort of flossing the fascia and the tissue. So gently moving in and out of a stretch, but not going end of range so that you risk to overstrain, go too far. That's when we get the problems because remember we lack control and we lack proprioception. So it's easy to do too much. But if you're just gently flossing, you're not going to go into that risk of overstretching. So I would change the strategy there. Sure. Makes sense. Um, and there's going to be some overlap on these questions. Mm -hmm. um, but this one we talked about earlier, SI joint pain. Uh, I can't sleep at night. Uh, I can deal with other daily pains, but this one. Mm. So any yeah. recommendations? Yeah. It's a tough so one. It's a tough one. Um, the SI joint can be so problematic, as we mentioned earlier. So you know, think about what exercises you're doing. Are you doing things that you're doing lots of movements where your legs are going in opposite directions because that will be aggravate. So for example, side-lying exercises where maybe you're lifting and lowering the leg and those should be avoided because they're separating that SI joint. So we don't want to be doing anything like that at the moment while you're in this sort of acute pain situation. Stick to keeping the pelvis as one piece and doing lots of stability work around that. Um, by stability, I'm not talking core stability. So we don't want to be pulling in pelvic floor and, and transverse abdominus because especially people with, I don't teach that to anyone, but with people with hypermobility, we don't wanna be doing that because a tight pelvic floor can start pulling on your SI joint as well. So we don't want an over tight and hypertonic pelvic floor. 
So I talk about stability in the book and on YouTube. As I said, I did a whole uh, video on stability, which would be really useful to watch um, to go with this question. But I don't advocate core stability training as such. Sure. So that was a general stability or was that SI stability? Oh, that was general stability. Oh, gotcha. But but there is um, there is going to be um, videos on YouTube as well about SI joint as well. So if you have a look on there. Yeah, part of the problem is if you roll, it's actually going to give yeah. you problems. So it's going to yes. wake you up. So a lot of people sleep with big cushions, you know, like full length sausage cushions. A lot yeah. of people feel they hug. So that they hug so that your knee isn't sort of flopping forward. And again, you're opening up the joint. But yeah, um, it's a, it is a um, tricky one. So, um, yeah, again, some of these things you cover, right? Uh, can you give us uh, basic exercises to keep our muscles strong, enabling joints to stay in place? Yes. I often hurt myself while exercising. Yeah. So before we think about strengthening, um, we've got to make sure that the alignment is correct. So doing a lot of those proprioceptive exercises on our back, supine, starting to feel the bones are in the right place. Then you can start doing your strengthening work because there's no point trying to strengthen something that's not in the right place you're just going to be making the situation worse. So maybe step back a little bit, just check, do some of those foundational exercises. And I've got a whole video on YouTube called um, Exercise Principles. So it's like a half hour class and we go through all of that. Where do I need to be? How should I be lying? How should I be sitting? Um, have a look at that and see if that helps you um, before you start doing the strengthening work. Very well, thank you. Um, so how often should someone with EDS exercise? I thought um, that was a great question. It's a very good question. Um, little and often, certainly if you're starting out, because um, we tend to, if we're having a good day, we might go and do too much. We might do an hour, two hours worth of exercise, and then we'll get this boom and bust situation. Yep. So it's much better to do five minutes, maybe every other day. Some people need a rest day, which is fine. If some people can do every day, that's brilliant. Better to do five minutes every day than go and do an hour, have a boom and a bust and a flare up, and then not do anything for three weeks because right. you've... So we're looking for a gradient like this, which is very, very gentle, as opposed to up, down, up, down. So... Little and often, go low, go slow, and build up from your sort of happy baseline. And prevent uh, developing that fear of exercise that you talked about. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because the more you do your boom and busting, um, the more you're going to get afraid of exercising at all. And obviously, exercise is a really, really important part of our management strategy of EDS. It really is. We need to move. Um, because we decondition much quicker than people without EDS. So if we decondition, it's going to be so much harder to climb back up and get going again. So little and often is, is the best recipe. Uh, this next question, um, she said, uh, I have CEDS and yes. MEDS. I don't know what yes. 
Yeah. And okay. they have severe pain about six hours after overdoing it, which for me can be very little. I've been mm -hmm. told it's called DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, but other PTs say it's only for runners, not me. Is this part of a EDS? Right. So, well, CEDS is classical EDS. Um, so these are these are sort of the less sort of common. Hypermobile EDS oh, is yes. the most common. Yeah. So classical EDS has a lot of uh, skin issues, a lot of sort of scarring issues, very delicate skin. And MEDS is myopathic EDS. So myo being muscle. Um, and typically... Um, they know so early, early years, we start to get muscle weakness um, and then very, very tight muscles around sort of elbows, knees, the sort of periphery um, areas. So, yeah, so I've not ever heard of anyone having the two types, but together. Um, yeah. together. Um, but yes, yeah, so it so you say overdoing it. So and I know you right. said that isn't very much. Um, so we, of course, we do get muscle soreness. Yeah. So we do get DOMS. It's not just runners who, who get that. So that would be a normal thing to have, but not if it's causing you severe pain. So I always recommend people have to find their baseline. And that is how much exercise or movement can you do today that doesn't cause you severe pain the next day or six hours later. Now, for some people, that will be just one repetition of an exercise. And that's okay. That's their starting point. Okay, lots of my clients can only do one or two reps of an exercise and that's fine. So we don't want people to be overdoing it and maybe doing 20, 30, 40 reps of an exercise and ending up in severe pain. So let's step back a little bit. Let's go back to that go low, go slow. And if we need to start at one rep and build up from one rep, that's absolutely fine. But if we keep going into severe pain, we're going to start sort of getting that nervous system agitated. Right. And, and we don't want to be doing that. We want to keep calming things down. Um, now, you already answered this one, I guess. Um, should a person with hypermobility stretch at all? Um, do you maybe mention which, which muscles tend to get tight? Um, yeah, so well, it does vary a lot, but tip, in what I've seen typically is that we tend to overuse our front body. So quads, hip flexors, pecs, abdominal muscles, we tend to kind of use that as a sort of a, a bracing pattern. So the sure. front gets very tight. The posterior chain, so the back line, for most people I've ever met is very, very weak. So we have weak hamstrings, weak glutes, weak upper back muscles, because everything's falling forward and we hang a lot. So yeah, our glutes never, yeah, the glutes never work because we lock our joints. So the glutes never have to work. So typically people feel that tightness around their shoulders, maybe around their hip flexors, and they want to go and stretch them. And that's where we want to, we want to focus on, building tone in the back of the body, so the posterior chain, and dynamically moving the front body. So not overstretching your, your pecs, not overstretching your hip flexors, because that will just destabilize you. If those muscles are tight for a reason and you stretch and stretch and stretch, they're going to complain the next day for sure. 
and you don't want that. They're going to let so you know. They'll definitely let you know. know. So you want to think about, it's all about balance, isn't it? So we want to balance between the back of the body and the front of the body. And we want them working together as a team, as opposed to one doing lots and lots of work and the back body not doing much at all. That's what we need to focus on. So um, be very respectful of your time here. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you, it's through the website? Yes. So Jeannie, um, www So there's a contact form on there or my, and my email is genie at geniedebon.com. So either way comes through to me. Um, and I've got all the information there about the Zebra Club or the Zebra Club, um, <laughs> the books, um, and my yep. clinics. Um, so yeah, everything's on the website. Uh, yep, we got the book here, Hypermobility Without Tears. And she also yep. has Pilates Without Tears. Yes, yeah. And you got the YouTube channel with some that yes. says people can start trying. Yeah, exactly. So, Again, thank you, Jeannie, for so much for taking time. Really learned a lot. Um, thank you. Great source of information. Thanks. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me.